Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for choosing to spend some time with us here today. Now, the easiest way to subscribe and follow our podcasts, which are absolutely free, is to go to educationonfire.com forward slash listen. That gives you direct links to all the different platforms that you can use. And as I said, subscribe and follow. It's absolutely free. And it means you have the latest episodes on your device right at your fingertips. Now, I'm joined by Mark Bertman, who serves as the CEO of the Organisation for Social Media Safety. And he has grown this organisation into a prominent national consumer protection organisation that has taught social media safety skills to thousands of students, parents and educators across the country and developed essential social media safety legislation like Jordan's Law, the first law to deter social media motivated violence. And this course is based in the USA. Now, with Mark is Ed Peisner, and after a long career in business, Ed founded the organisation in 2016 after his teenage son, Jordan, was viciously assaulted in West Hills, California. Now, the attack was filmed and uploaded to social media by an associate of the attacker. The video there went viral, viewed by millions, and Jordan was left with serious and lifelong injuries from the assault. Ed decided to dedicate himself to the goal of ensuring that no other family had to endure such a terrible ordeal. Now Ed travels the country as the National Education Director for the Organisation for Social Media Safety, teaching thousands of students, parents and educators on how to stay safe on social media. Now, just before this really personal and important conversation, let's just have a quick thank you to our sponsor. Scientific SOS, written by Daniel Phelps, is a unique children's adventure for young people aged 8 to 12 and even to adults. It's where science meets adventure it's not a science book, it's a children's adventure novel which has science in it. Five pupils, each with their own particular gifts, are thrust into a fight for survival and exploration that opens up the beauty and wonder of nature, science and the universe. Scientific SOS inspires children to look at the world with fresh eyes and curious minds. Riddled with riddles and poetry, it uses the power of narrative to help understand concepts deeply and remember facts. Children learn best whenever they are interested in something and enjoying themselves. This book does just that. It offers a new creative vehicle to add to the teaching and learning toolbox and creates a relaxed and enjoyable learning environment, perfect at any time, but especially now. Scientific SOS provides a perfect platform for discussions and encourages children to ask questions. So it's not only ideal for loan reading or as a class book, but perfect for homeschooling too. Scientific SOS can be bought on Amazon, both in Kindle or paperback, or find out more at scientifica.com. That's Scientifica with an X, X-I-E-N-T-I-F-I-C-A, scientifica.com. So hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Today we're talking about something which we haven't touched on for a little while actually and that's the relation of social media safety and I'm chatting to Mark Berkman and Ed Peisner from the Organisation of Social Media Safety. So guys, thanks very much. It's great to have two of you here with me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us here, Mark. So let's start then, Ed. Tell us a little bit about what is it that the organization's about? Why did it start? Tell us that story. Yeah, um, it's personal to me, obviously. This In 2016, December 2nd, 2016, my 14 and a half, then 14 and a half year old son, Jordan, was on his way home from school, uh, like any other typical day that he would walk home from school. And 
He called and asked me if he could stop just to stop at a local fast food restaurant to grab some food with his friends. And I said, of course, go ahead and I'll, and I'll see you later. Um, about 20 minutes after that, I got a phone call from one of his friends and they had said that Jordan was – someone punched Jordan. That's all they said on the phone, that someone punched him. So I left to go down to – it's about half a mile from my house. I left to go down to see what happened. Um, but left my daughter home actually in the middle of, of making cookies in the oven and just left. Um, when I got there, I came upon a fire truck, an ambulance, a police car, so I knew it was something different. It turns out that Jordan, someone had walked up behind Jordan and with all their might sucker punched him in the side of the head to the point where he was knocked unconscious, hit the ground. He had a traumatic brain injury, uh, epidural hematoma, his eardrum ruptured. He was unconscious. He was, you know, when I got there, it was, I can't even explain. It was sort of like time stood still. And I was looking around, seeing these groups of people. And I ran into the ambulance and, and I asked them what was going on. And they said he had this traumatic brain injury and they need to get him to the hospital. And then kids started coming up to me with their phones. And they said, look what happened to Jordan. And they were showing me this video of Jordan being knocked out. I mean, I get chills, Mark, right now telling you this. I'm getting chills thinking about it because I'm witnessing my son. He could have died. He spent six days in the intensive care unit at Children's Hospital. And people were sharing this and showing me what happened. And I was dumbfounded. I said, I don't understand what I'm looking at. Explain to me what I'm looking at. And sure enough, turns out after a little bit of research that someone stood back with their with their camera with their phone their smartphone and watched this boy walk up behind my son and just change his life that that two seconds changed the trajectory of his life and they recorded it and then they shared it on social media and then we were witnessing people clicking the like button which is i, I can't i don't have any you know understanding of that how could you like this so that was sort of the opening into the world of this social media motivated violence that we're seeing. Um, that's, again, that was the turning point in my life. That moment, December 2nd, 2016, changed my life forever. Uh, I, I could let Mr. Berkman here jump in and, and tell you how that moved over there. Yes, so I was, um, I was a chief of staff in the California State Assembly when this happened in, in 2016. And the video of Jordan's attack went viral on social media so quickly and so expansively. It was in my inbox because my assembly office covered, covered that area uh, in, a, in a part of Los Angeles. And it was in our, my inbox in about an hour or two after this, this incident happened. And so very quickly in our office, we recognized that this wasn't an isolated incident. All of us intuitively, and I'm sure people listening, have seen such videos on social media. And so we very quickly decided that we wanted to do something about it. And I touched base with Ed shortly thereafter, a week or two. Ed, Jordan had come home for the, it was, I think it was two weeks because Jordan was already home from the hospital. 
And the first thing Ed said to me when I introduced myself was that he wanted to make sure that no other families went through this type of ordeal. So he was all in at that point, and you could see his determination that he wanted to dedicate his life to this. He knew this was a bigger problem as well. So we did some research in the office and realized that what we now call social media motivated violence or attacks that are committed just for the purpose of filming and putting on social media to get internet notoriety and likes and shares, those were doubling every year since the birth of, of what we call major social media in 2004. And it started early with something called the knockout game where people would walk up behind uh, an innocent victim and, and attack them, film it, not try to knock them out, put it on, on social media again to get views and likes. So we saw that it was pretty easy to graph and make an illustration so everyone could see the gravity of the problem. Tons of, of really horrific and heinous examples in addition to what happened to Jordan. And so we, I, I drafted some legislation that came to be known as Jordan's Law to deter social media motivated violence. It's the first uh, state law in the United States. I'm, I'm not sure about the laws in the UK, but the first state law in the US that deters social media, media motivated violence. And what it does is it makes clear that someone that conspires to film a violent attack and put it on social media is held liable for the crime as it's not known technically in California, but basically an accomplice. And they're also subject to an enhanced sentence. And what we use that for is a, is a teaching tool at this point. Uh, it's, yeah, to my knowledge, it's been prosecuted a few times in California, but it's, it's a fantastic teaching tool that we use across the country. Uh, but, but long story short, so what happened when we were working on Jordan's Law is we realized that, that all of these issues were happening with social media. This was, uh, like I said, 2016, like I said, 2016. So uh, the activities of Russia and the 2016 election were coming into focus. Everyone knew that cyberbullying on social media was becoming a bigger and bigger problem. I had just come out of the foster youth sector, working with foster youth. Trafficking and social media was growing exponentially there as well. Hate speech in the 2016 election in the U.S. also was very expansive on social media. There was millions of, of uh, pieces of hate speech found on social media during the election. So that was a problem. Sexual harassment, the list goes on and on. So we saw all these issues. And what blew my mind is usually when you're working on legislation as a staffer, you turn to an organization, an association to be your subject matter experts on the issue. And so we went looking and there was no one in this field serving as a consumer protection organization that was focused exclusively on social media and protecting against social media dangers. And so Ed and I talked about it and we felt like this was something that we had to do. We were shocked. Nothing else existed. So we, we founded the Organization for Social Media Safety. And so today we protect against all social media related dangers. We do that through education. So Pre-COVID, of course, we were in schools across the country. We do um, virtual events, press conferences, uh, interviews like this one to help educate on social media safety. We do advocacy work, so we work on laws and legislation, all levels of government in the U.S., like Jordan's Law, and we do tech developments. We work on software and apps that provide real-time protection against any and all social media-related dangers. So I think... Well, there are a few things that strike me. First of all, is the um, 
is the sense that as a parent um that you kind of think about social media and the the issues around it in terms of bullying or being aware of content that you shouldn't be to have that kind of immediacy of of not only um ed having oh my gosh this has happened to my son but there's this whole other thing which must be you know i won't say doubly traumatic but it just must completely have been just uh, mind-blowing it, it, honestly those are the words those are the perfect words mark mind-blowing you know the fact is now i have to relive jordan's that that moment every time the video is sent to me my daughter who at the time well, i gotta think back now at the time my daughter would have been 12 maybe going on 13 um she saw she got this 12 year old child my daughter got this video sent to her from from other people on snapchat or on this platform or on that platform so yeah it was mind-boggling and again like mark said it it just cracked the lid and we were seeing all of these dangers and no one was doing anything no one was acting as this this protection organization you know so it does sort of seem to be that it's sort of this world that no one quite knows what to do with it. It's being developed, it's coming out there, there's more and more happening. But there's, like you say, there's no one organization or no one person or one government or whatever that can just sort of reach in and just, like you say, put a lid on it, put a cap on it or or control what's going on. So, I mean, this is now you know a big organization and you were talking about all the different things that you're actually doing. So from your point of view, Ed, how, how has it changed your life? Is it part is it now your job is it your whole life is it part of what you were doing before give us a little bit of background about that yeah it, it is my whole life i mean obviously you know you're a parent first and foremost um but yeah it changed this was the 180 degree change in my life i mean literally our life my entire family it, it pivoted and it never went back this is my job this is what i do now all day um i have a stream of income for for my other life uh, pre Jordan's incident that allows me to continue this where I don't need to work full time at that. So this is my dedication. My entire life is dedicated to making social media safe for kids, for adults. You know, obviously, as Mark said, pre COVID, it was wonderful. We were going to a school a week, probably um, school every other week, something like that. And speaking to tens of thousands of kids and what I found was the kids don't want to be stuck on their smartphones all day long. They don't, they're kind of addicted to these things and they want help. They want the guidance. They just, like you said, this is rapid. This is ever changing. This is brand new. So this is my life. This is what I've dedicated everything I do to making, making social media safe. I don't want one family on this planet to ever experience what I did. And to have to relive it makes it worse. You know, just telling the story to you, I got chills, and then I, I could picture the video because I've seen it, and then I can't imagine other kids that have seen that, and and just what it does to them. Yeah, and I guess it's also the fact that it's that sort of anesthetized to kind of, you know, it's not cartoony, it's not something which is made up, it's not fake, it's kind of this is real stuff happening. I mean, it, I don't even know where you get into the psyche of kind of why you would do that in the first place. I guess that's that's a whole different yeah. thing. But um, um, but I guess beyond that, you know, how do you and Mark, you may be able to answer this in terms of how do you go about 
protecting people from it in terms of filters and that kind of thing is it i guess it's a combination of everything in terms of the education where not to look where to leave alone all that sort of thing what's the, what's your thoughts on that yeah, this is why we have that three-part approach of education advocacy and tech development you need all three and if you think about driving when when automobiles first came out it took the efforts of, of all three of those programs working together to slowly build automobile safety. And so we've replicated, we've replicated that model. You have to teach parents and kids uh, about the danger. So one, it's not like some of the dangers that we grew up with back in the day. Some of these dangers kids are not even aware of. So we teach about the dangers and then we teach how to either avoid them or react to them. We make sure that there are public policies to either ensure that that the social media platforms are doing what they need to do or ensuring that there's appropriate deterrent measures out there and then the tech as you mentioned those filters are, are hugely important especially for for your tweens who might be on certain social media platforms or younger your young teens you need those filters in place to block out unsafe content and and those are those are very effective as well but you need all of these parts working together and and that to us is what's special about our organization and, and why we've seen uh, effectiveness. And in terms of social media, I mean, there are so many platforms now and there are things coming up on you all the time. Is there certain platforms that you think have more of a, an issue with this than others? Yes, there are, there are certain platforms that are irresponsibly run that have a significant amount of danger. Again, there's a long list of dangers uh, that I just briefly covered from trafficking to misinformation and propaganda to sexual harassment. So it, it goes on and on. But there, there's certainly one of our, our bigger concerns are social media platforms that are called chat roulette sites where especially a lot of young teens are on these, they go on and you just filter through videos of people to chat with random strangers. These are big hubs for child exploitation, uh, trafficking, a host of, of, of really horrific activities are happening on, on these platforms. Knowingly, if you go on a site, I'll broadcast it because you have parents listening, not kids, but there's a site called Omegle that you log on to Omegle and they have it on the site that, that says uh, child predators have been known to, to use the site. And it's out there. And kids still go and log on and use, use the site. So they know about it. It's happening. And, and very minimal efforts to shut it down. One thing that, that we've uh, been involved with is trying to get a lot of these types of apps off of the Apple App Store. So if, if they knowingly have this activity happening on their platform and they're not doing anything about it that the app store should not be hosting these platforms and my other thought is when you go into schools because there's nothing like dialogue to give you a real insight as to the reality of these things isn't it and especially when they're not your children as well i know certainly being in a, in a school as a teacher talking to kids it's different than talking to my own kids you know, that it, i think that's just the nature of uh, of the world um what what have you learned what have you got back in terms of do they do these dangers and, and the experiences are these things that happen to other people or things that they know about but it's okay because i'm in my own little safe world or are they sort of thinking oh yeah actually i've come across that in some way or another i mean hopefully there's not too many serious cases but what, what's your sort of understanding of that this yeah this is a crucially important point to us because all of our programs 
are not only designed to advance our mission of making social media safe, but also that we in turn are learning from them. So when we go into schools, we're doing a number of things. One, we are we have an interactive element to the presentations that, that at Leeds where students can participate along, they each get a clicker, and so they can answer some questions for us. That it's anonymous and confidential. We don't, it's not identifying data. But at the end of the day, one, it, it keeps the, the, the children and students engaged, which is very helpful. Obviously, that increases their retention uh, and helps us with behavior modification. But it also gives us a snapshot at every single week every single school that we go to, what's happening at that school. So we continue to learn, we can, we can learn about new dangers, we can flag for individual schools what's happening. And so we get this data. And at the end of the year, we've got a very big data set, not at the end of this year with COVID, but in a, in a normal year, we get a data set. So we know that, that sexting at schools is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. And we, we can flag trends. And we know starting in the sixth grade, 30 to 40% of kids are sending or receiving sexts. We know that, that hate speech starting in the fifth grade, 80% of students of the schools that we've gone to have seen explicit real hate speech. So we're learning each time we're going in and we're also recruiting, we have a student advisory council. So we want, we want students on the ground telling us what they're seeing, what's going on with new apps. So, so every little... Uh, resource that we can get out there to help us learn and adjust because social media is continually evolving as as you hinted to so we have to stay ahead of the curve here so that that is a big focus for us and ed what's your thought in terms of how you work with the education establishment because the one thing that comes up a lot when i chat to people on the podcast is there's there's kind of this education world that just does what it does and it's like a tanker it's hard to change anything um but then there's your personal responsibility both as a as a student as a teacher as a parent um and it seems to me that a lot of the reasons that these things become an issue is because it's just inherently what children are learning or getting involved in or 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 coming across so how do you think what you're doing and how you're working can influence it i guess in that bigger scale hopefully in terms of how that works within education but also sort of maybe in the in the slightly sort of smaller scale of what any given person can do based on your personal experience of going into schools or or doing a presentation yeah listen on the bigger scale i'm going to let mark tackle that because we are working with or talking speaking with the california department of education lausd and some other schools uh districts across the country on a personal level going into schools and talking to these children and seeing their reactions to first of all jordan's story but then i don't know call me the child whisperer but these kids open up and i know it's different from your own children to if you're a teacher talking to your kids in the class i I myself have three kids and i've been a single parent for many years so i know talking to my children versus children in school it is different but when I speak to these kids and they open up and they share with me about what's going on, at the end of the day, we're putting this this amazing device in the hands of our children just very freely. We're just giving it to them and letting them go. And, and I think right now we're playing catch up. We're realizing, whoops, we need to take a step or two or three back because we're giving them access to everything that's good and bad in the world. So. I have found that the kids that come up to me afterwards have told me, thank you so much. I mean, to hear a child in fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh, say thank you so much. 
I've seen stuff like that. I didn't know what to do. Your story really makes me want to change the way I look at social media. It's those little moments, those little things that I know we're getting through on a grander, big scale. We need to, we really do need to tackle this on from the top down, from the school districts all the way down to each little independent school. Um, but for me, and Mark could attest to this, we've gotten hundreds, I don't know how many, um, testimonials from kids and from parents and from students saying that, you know, the, the child went home. I had one that's popping in my head. A child went home and told his parents, you have to come back and listen to this presentation because it really opened my eyes to what's going on. And there's things I need to do on social media that you guys aren't sharing with me. And again, it, this is new to all of us. You know, 2004 really is when social media started to, to blow up um, or the introduction of it. And this is brand new. And Mark attested this, and, and we spoke about this. It's like giving keys to a child for their car. You don't just hand them the keys and say good luck. You know, they have to get a permit, and they have to take a couple of tests, and then it's provisional, and then they could get it taken away for a year if they make a mistake. And all of these things that you do, because driving is dangerous. And, you know, being on the information superhighway is also dangerous. So we need to now react. Uh, unfortunately, we're in the we have to react. We're not... We're being proactive and reactive at the same time. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And so, Mark, tell us a little bit about that kind of school district level and, and what you're able to do there. Sure. From the from the macro level, working with school districts or at the state level, one, we're, we're trying to get our educational information into the hands of as many students and parents as we can because we feel that's essential. We feel that we are impacting lives in a big way that way. But at the policy level, one of, the, one of our big initiatives, and we've, we've gone international with this actually, is we will consult with individual schools, school districts, or, or even uh, at the state level to develop uh, and work with them on enhancing their social media safety policies. And one of our big theories on that is, is any educator or parent that has a tween knows that there's this race to the bottom with social media. So one of your fourth graders, one of your fifth graders gets on Snapchat or WhatsApp, and then two weeks later you have the entire grade on it because of these built-in social pressures. This is social media. So everyone's seeing it, kids that aren't on it get excluded. There's some trade-offs to that. So what we're trying to do is set up, and and for public schools in the U.S., these are, these are voluntary uh, social media safety guidelines or community guidelines for the district, for the school that gets sent out either through the parent association or some other mechanism that we give to parents and saying, this is, these are our expectations for social media use in your home. They're voluntary, but we're hoping that everyone follows them for, for these very important reasons to keep our kids safe. And so we set up essentially baseline guidelines, like the, this is the age to be on these types of social media platforms that we'd like to see everyone on. This is what your household should be doing should you come across cyberbullying, either if your child happens to perpetrate it or is a victim of it. This is what you should be doing should you see an incident of sexting, either involving your child or someone else's child. These are the safe things to do. So. It's setting up baseline ground rules and it's setting up appropriate responses and it's getting the entire community on the same page and preventing this race to the bottom. So that really is one of our most effective interventions at, at the higher level when we're talking about districts or states. And I guess this brings me on to the fact that 
we talked about, you know, it's an internet superhighway. It's world, everything, everywhere. So I guess the fact that it's online, the fact we're talking about it is is really good in that you can actually reach people all around the world. You know, I'm sat in the UK, you guys are over there in, in the US. So, so how's that looking in terms of you've got this going into schools where you can. How's that kind of global effort working and obviously talking to us and sharing as well, but in terms of the website, what you can access, all that kind of thing, how does that work if you're further afield? Fantastic question for the moment for us because we took the opportunity during the pandemic to create a number of new virtual resources that we can get across the world. And one of our biggest resources that we, we just released is a new course for parents with children who are on social media or just getting on to social media to teach them everything they need to do to protect their child when they're on social media platforms. This was a resource that we did not see out there otherwise. It's really a complete system for parents so they don't have to go hunting and pecking around the internet for various tips. They don't have to rely on the parent rumor mill they get everything in one comprehensive course. So we're very excited about this course. It's available on our website. It's called the Buckling the Social Media Seatbelt Super Course. You can go to our website, www.ofsms.org and find it right there. And we're really excited about it. We think it's gonna have a very big impact. And as you mentioned, it's, it's available globally and we're seeing people sign on and take this course from across the globe because again it's it's a resource that was not otherwise out there and it's free i think one of the things which you see more and more of and i really like this idea of i mean i guess as a technology person you know these an online course that you're doing together parent and child i've, I've seen some financial ones i've seen um as well as sort of the academic side ones but what it is is it's bringing education as a community you know you're going to go to school many most people go to school and you do versions of that but there are certain things which are missing and your organization is obviously doing a fantastic job at that related to social media but to be able to say right now we as a family or we as a as a is a group of people are going to sit down and do this i certainly think ah, oh, right i feel like what i'm getting the information i need and i know what we can do it opens up the conversation because i'm not telling you which is good you're not telling me because you probably don't want to but together we can discover evolve kind of work out what we need to do and then at the end of it feel like okay right i've got a handle on this in terms of where we think we are with it and that certainly feels very different to go into like a, a parent teacher um, meeting after school one day seeing someone do a presentation just with a few slides and then think right we've covered that now you got that you're going to be okay now and we'll come back and revisit it in a year's time you know and, and so I, I just think these modern mediums with people who really know what's going on with it that is a game changer and I think it will make a, a global difference. Thank you yeah. We're hoping and, and you hit the nail on the head again too because the the course is divided into three parts it's the conversations you need to have with your child it's it's the rules you should implement with them as they get onto social media and it's the the tech settings that you need to do on the platforms and the devices but those conversations a lot of parents don't know how to even begin to have those or what to talk about so we lay that out very clearly we have a checklist at the end of that section that parents can print out and sit there with their child and, and go through these in a very open way that's why the the conversations and the rules are, are different sections in the course and so we're trying to give parents a full roadmap here of what to do 
It's fantastic. I, I nearly said, oh, you know, what's the you know the top three things you would suggest to parents? But I think there's only one, and that's to go and take go and take the course because then you get the roadmap of everything. Because it isn't a question of dipping your toe in; it's a question of doing it properly. Either commit to it, do what we can for our children the best, or or not don't. But you know what I mean, kind of sort of go in it for sort of a hundred percent. Um, and and just as we start to start to round up. Ed, I'm interested to sort of understand um, from a personal point of view, you know, you, you go through this sort of horrific experience, but out of it is probably going to come just some amazing amount of good for, you know, hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people. So I'm just interested on a personal point of view. How do you sort of feel about that, having, you know, been through something which you wish that no one has to go through? but out of it coming so much good? You know, uh, great question, Mark. Um, I've <laughs> I've cried a lot of tears over what happened, and I still do. Um, what I have been saying, I remember being in the hospital, and one of the news stations was there, and uh, she, I forget even the question she asked, but I looked at her and I said, I want to turn my mess into a message. And and sort of that moment, I, I remember standing in the hall of the hospital to this day. Um, you know, this changed my life forever. This completely changed my life, 180 degree change from what I was doing. And knowing that we might help one child, I'll, I'll begin with one, the hundreds of thousands and millions, one. Knowing that we could affect one child and they might not have to suffer or the family might not have to suffer, it's why we're here, right? It's why we're doing this. It's why we're on this planet. It's, it's to make a difference. Uh, I don't see anybody else doing it out there right now. Um, like Mark said, there's really no organization focused on just social media safety and knowing that we can make a difference or I could take this tragedy and uh, like I said, turn a mess into a message and get it out there. It means everything to me. It's my mission. Yeah, I can, I can really, I can really understand that. And, and, What's the effect had on, on your family, both in terms of perceptually, but also in, in the reality of day to day? Well, you know, on the physical side, we deal with what happened in Jordan and we will be dealing with that forever. So there's obviously, you know, that that side. Um, it it kind of tore the family apart for a little bit there because, you know, all the focus was on Jordan. I have two other children. Uh, a younger and an older, um, so it, it was a juggle. It was it's a lot of juggling, you know, during that time. Um, it, it's funny. My daughter now wants to. My daughter is now 16. She wants to get into advocacy work and work with a nonprofit and change the world. As she always says, you know, I want to make a difference in the world. So this mess changed her as well for, you know i don't want to say for the better but now she you know she was always great but now she's wants to help out she's on our you know she wants to get on the advisory council and, and work with us and work with other nonprofits. so listen you you make the best of it and you know every day i wake up i'm grateful for what i have i'm i'm I think back to that moment every single day. If I could have done one thing different, if I picked him up earlier from school, if you know, if I'd picked him up and said, "I'll let him," you know, all those things go through my head, and I think they always will. But this happened for a reason, I guess, and it's my mission in life 
to make sure that we make a difference in the world and, and keep social media safe for kids and adults. And um, that's it, you know. Well, it's well, it's my privilege to be able to speak to you uh, about this. I mean, I, I, you know, I can't imagine what it was like, and um, and I guess there are many people who can't imagine what it would be like in that specific circumstance. But I think what everyone can relate to is the fact that if it's your son, if it's your daughter who's in pain, who's struggling, who goes through something, that you can relate to it its most human level. And if we can, like you said, support anybody to not have to do that and to relate in such a way that we're doing it for the best to our other human people around us son daughter friends you know whatever that happens to be then it becomes real and it becomes about life and it's not just about something else we have to study or something else that we have to do or something something that we need to tick a box at which is often the the education sort of situation not because they don't care or they don't want to because there's just various things you have to do and life's busy and all that kind of thing so i think as soon as as soon as it becomes personal for the positive reasons then then that has the power to do all these things we've been talking about and uh, and mark just finally um what's your what would your goal be in terms of this would it be to sort of change legislation in in every state to be able to go sort of around the world and have these things and have it at that highest level that you could sort of have this law for everybody i mean what what do you think is possible yeah well first i mean i don't get a chance to do this enough but i do want to applaud Ed and, and the selflessness there. He just talked about this work and and pre-COVID, he's touring the country. It's a tour of the world's worst motels. <laughs> and if he does his job right and well, which he does, if he, he does that job right, he's changing lives and nobody will ever know about it. And and that's the goal here. So um Thank you. So uh, it's it's a privilege to work with him. But the, our goal, our goal is to make social media safe, and that's in the face of all of these dangers now that continue to increase. And as social media changes, so on the advocacy side, we have a number of pieces of legislation uh, at at essentially every level of government in the U.S., from local school board to state to federal and congressional. We're working on combating what's called deep fakes, this new ability to take someone's video and put anyone's face on it. So it's basically being used to target and harass women and put their likenesses into pornographic videos without their consent. We're working on stalking issues through social media. Obviously, our work with social media motivated violence is not complete. So we're going to continue legislating on that. And on the education side, we want to make sure that our materials are, are stay free because of our generous contributors, get in the hands of as many people as we can across the world. So we continue to change behaviors at home to keep people safe. And on the tech side, we would like to continue working to put out technology that can help combat the dangers that we're seeing on the platforms because the platforms are not going to do that themselves. It's difficult to get this stuff up and, and developed in the private sector alone. Um, and again, we can use all the resources we have to bear, all of our learning to fine tune these programs. So again, all three of those elements working together, we wanna make sure that people can go on social media because it's not going away. Uh, we, we, <laughs> we've looked at that, it's not going away, we can't get rid of it. So people go on social media and have a safe experience and that's, that's the goal. Well, for me personally, this is, this is the reason I wanted to set up 
education on fire. It's why I wanted to have these conversations so it can affect as many people as possible. But the most important thing we talk about is sort of lighting a fire and kind of being passionate. No matter what the circumstance you find yourself in or your situation, it's not enough to talk about it. You have to go out and do something about it. And it seems to me that the both of you are kind of not just 100% committed, but you know, every step of the way, every thought process, every way that you can do it to the best of your ability and embrace everything that you have around you to make it work, but then also to be as focused as you are and articulate as you are in terms of being able to make that difference to every single person is is absolutely amazing. And I'm so thankful that we were able to have this conversation and I hope it I can do my little bit in sharing it as to as many people as are listening. Um, so thank you very much for joining me today and for sharing the story and the organization and just finish with that website again so people have got it fresh of mind. It is OFSMS.org. That's short for OF, uh, Organization for Social Media Safety. So OFSMS.org. You could log on, see our resources and enroll in our new course for parents. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And Ed, I really appreciate you being so honest and open and sharing your story and, and our, our best wishes go out to, to you and your family. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for having us. Thank you to the National Association for Primary Education for their long-term support of the Education on Fire podcast. To get a free e-copy of their professional journal, Primary First, please go to nape.org.uk forward slash journal. That's N-A-P-E org.uk forward slash journal thanks for listening to the education on fire podcast for more information of each episode and to get in touch go to educationonfire.com education is not the filling of a pail but the lighting of a fire